the new Halloween theme. And it might just be the forever theme because we like it so much. Good work. <laughs> Welcome to Personal Effects, the podcast. My name is Warren. I'm Alex. Uh, we took a month off to work on this very special, very seasonal episode of our show. I've always wanted to do a Halloween episode. Me too. They're always my favorite. Yeah. This is a story about four men who are friends with each other, and they went on a hike and found something that seemed like it would not be something you would want to have, but they took it, and they lived to regret it, thankfully. We talked to uh, two of them. Their names are Darren and Rob, and here they are. Um, my name is Darren Dean. I'm a photojournalist currently living in St. Augustine, Florida. I teach at the University of Florida Advanced Photojournalism. I do uh, also freelance here for the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times. My name is Rob. I own a, I own a small restaurant in downtown Tallahassee. Um, I met Darren. We used to work together a long time ago uh, when we were teenagers and uh, just kept in touch ever since. Rob, um, I've known most of my life, was a friend of his family's, have just, you know, grown as friends as we've gotten older. Ben, I did not know until Rob introduced me on uh, to him when they arrived in Alaska. And uh, JP is, I've probably known JP the longest. We're not um, the closest of friends, but definitely friends. And Tallahassee's not a, well, it is a big town, but I guess, you know, a small world. So we all kind of became friends individually. So I was in uh, Anchorage, Alaska for an uh, internship. It was the summer of 2004. You know, it was really the one place that I wanted to go. I had been to Alaska with my parents when I was a kid, and uh, I just remember it being beautiful and awesome, and um, that's, that's where I wanted to spend my summer. So, But toward the end of the internship, uh, I knew Rob, uh, Rob knowing that I was in Alaska, he always kind of likes to take trips during the summer to exotic places, and Alaska is kind of exotic. We knew he'd be up there for, I don't know, half a year or something. So we kind of planned a trip to get up there since we had a free place to stay, basically, and a, and a tour guide. Rob knew that I was out there and he wanted to uh, ask if he could come visit and um, said that he was going to bring JP and then this other guy, Ben, that I didn't know, but it was fine because um, uh, I'm a, you know, I get along with most people. They arrived at the airport and uh, instantly, you know, liked Ben. He was, I mean, he was just one of us. And I, you know, did have to work and they entertained themselves when I did. But on my days off, we would go on these epic adventures. And it's uh, on one of those that we found Bob. We were driving, I think it's called Hatcher Pass. Um, it's like a valley in between a couple little couple mountains. Uh, just a, a mountain pass. I mean, huge, jagged cliff, mountains rising up around you, uh, a raging river kind of in the valley, and you drive along the river and um, up into the valley, and it leads to the ruins of uh, a gold mine, uh, Mr. Hatcher. I don't know his first name. Um, he's long gone, and uh, left behind his gold mine that he could walk around and look at, and 
But if you keep on going, the road turns uh, from gravel to dirt, and you're like in the greatest wilderness I've ever been in. I was driving, Rob um, was sitting in the passenger seat, and JP and Ben were in the back. I remember that because earlier in the day, he was so excited. Uh, legal to bring a gun to Alaska, to wear one openly, and a lot of people do because of the a animals, the bears, and more importantly, the moose. The moose kill more people than the bears do. opened a suitcase and he had like the wild west belt with you know all the bullets around it and you know he wore it from the moment he got off the airplane and anyway uh while we were driving through the woods earlier that day um on the epic adventure he decided to like, fire his gun you know without telling me which uh about blew out my eardrum i was the only time i've ever uh been partially deaf and lasted for at least 24 hours so I wasn't too happy with Ben at the time, but he still, it was kind of funny. Not really, but I don't know. I think, I can't remember, I think it was Ben who saw something on the side of the mountain kind of a little ways up, and it was it was orange, and it looked out of place. I mean, it, it could have been, I mean, it very, just as easily could have been like a basketball on the side of the mountain or something, but we couldn't tell from where we were. We just knew it wasn't natural. I don't know whose idea it was necessarily to go up there, but Ben volunteered to go up there. I mean, I don't know if it was his idea in the first place or somebody else, but he ended up the one trekking up the side of the mountain there to get to it. When he got up there, I mean, he was so far away that we can almost barely hear him. We just kind of, you know, tell him to come back down, and he picks up whatever it is and, you know, starts heading down the mountain with it. As he gets closer, it's uh, it starts taking form and it it, does, it looks like a pumpkin. The first thing we can hear is him yelling out, it's, it's a giant head. It was like a clay sculpture of a dude, a dude's head basically. It was like a, a guy with a, like a big beard, long hair. It's a life-size terracotta head of a, an older gentleman. He didn't sit right in the kiln or, or whatnot, and he's kind of just like scrunched down a little bit. So he kind of has this uh, this big jawline. So we were amazed. We we're like, wow, you know, we, this is like the find of the century. We just found the head. So, and it was hollow. It had a hole in the bottom. Somebody like flipped it over, and something like something fell out the bottom. It was like a little piece of paper. So we somebody grabbed it and looked at it. And it's a, a small card, <laughs> one that you might see with funeral flowers. And it says, I love you, comma, Bob. I don't know. It made it sound like he, it was like his, uh, like maybe a memorial. We all look at Ben and tell him to take that thing back up the mountain. And, and we want nothing to do with it. It's obviously a, a tribute uh, to, to someone uh, named Bob, and it needs to stay where it is. And Ben refused. He's like, you know, that took all my energy. I can't do it, and none of us were going to do it. So, <laughs> so they wanted to climb back up the side of the mountain and put it up there. 
Uh, we just made a decision that we would take Bob with us, and between the four of us, we would take care of him, and uh, he would be at one of our houses, and he would be a good story, and we would always have him and take care of him. That would be our duty in life, is to take care of Bob. So we put him in the back seat in the middle and strapped him in, and we put a baseball cap on him. So everything's good, and we're, you know, this funny story, and we're laughing, and you know, go on through our vacation. And toward the end of my internship, they get ready to leave Alaska a couple of days later. But before they did, my mom had arrived at the airport and um, she and I uh, were driving back to Florida together. We were so excited to show her, like in my little Anchorage apartment on the TV, sat Bob uh, with his hat, you know, just kind of looking over things. And we were so proud of him and told her the story and, you know, so she's like, you know, that, yes, that is a good find. And, but then, you know, still the card, you know, still didn't really sit well with, with anybody. But we just, you know, put it back in there and didn't really try not to try not to think about it. You know, I just basically put it out of my mind at that point because I was 5,000 miles away from that thing. So I didn't really think about it. So it came time to leave Alaska and come back to Florida, which not fun. Uh, driving to Alaska every day, you wake up and the drive just gets more beautiful. Leaving Alaska is the opposite. So it's every day you wake up and it's uh, you're deeper into Canada, which um, are the very nice people, but they're uh, country's horrid. My mom was uh, driving us back. There was a little bit of a rush to, to make it back in time for the start of my semester. So we were driving through the night uh, a couple times, and one night, actually about two in the morning, um, we were driving just south of Grand Prairie, which is five hours north of Edmonton, um, in the middle of nowhere. Uh, two o'clock in the morning, I was taking a nap. Mom uh, was also taking a nap, unfortunately. So we went off the road and I awoke to emergency ripples, felt the car start going into a, a spin, a, a start flipping, and I was knocked out. We were in the car for 45 minutes before anybody came by. I awoke to my mom laying on the horn and you know, screaming for help. and uh, that kind of panicked me a little bit and wasn't making the situation any better. And so I was, I was trying to tell her that I was okay. Um, there was, it was, you know, uh, dark, but they, there was blood everywhere. We had come to rest on the, the driver's side door. So I was kind of hanging above her. I remember hearing uh, people saying that you know, we're here, we're here. And, and then I remember one of them cutting my seatbelt and, and me falling on my mom and just tremendous pain and, and uh, I was out, passed out again. I woke up again in the grass. I just remember, you know, wet grass. And I remember hearing the, the jaws of life. Woke up again in the back of the ambulance. And we were both in the same ambulance. And they were an hour away from the hospital. So at that point, I wasn't doing well. I was hurting and I was starting to get a little scared. But then woke up back in the hospital in the emergency room. They had to fly my mom to Edmonton 
because of uh, blood loss that she had uh, sustained. Uh, her injury, uh, main injury, was her left arm and hand were mangled, and they were worried about her, so they, they flew her right away. I got to stay in the hospital in Grand Prairie. They, like, missed ten bones, uh, broken bones. I didn't find out until the following week. I ended up with 14 broken bones. Uh, they were all things that can't be set or fixed. I had a skull fracture, broken ribs, broken sternum, separated shoulders, um, broken clavicle. I was uh, also halfway through my visit there, visited by the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, who arrested me um, for having a unlawfully stowed gun in the vehicle. Well, everything was unlawfully stowed. It was all over the road. They do not uh, allow handguns in Canada, which I have since found out is uh, they take very seriously. Uh, you can take a long gun through Canada, a rifle or shotgun, but you have to get it authorized first. You cannot take a handgun through Canada. There's no form or anything to fill out. Of course, I needed one in Alaska for wildlife and uh, sometimes carried one on assignments. Again, for wildlife, not for people. Uh, it's frowned upon, very much so there, and, so, and it is one of the questions they ask you when you cross the border, and I, I did, in fact, lie and tell them I did not have a gun or any weapons with me. So after I was discharged from the hospital, I didn't have to stay in jail, but I had to go to jail, and I wasn't welcome in Canada for a while. Um, it took some, yeah, it took some work. The court case cost a, about ten grand to to get through, um, and I had to write a letter of apology to the Queen, which I had no problem telling anybody I paid one of my friends to, so... There. <laughs> Take that. I don't even know what the Queen of England has to do with Canada, but for some reason they look up to her or something, I don't know. So, left the hospital with a prescription of Oxycontin, which I didn't know anything about then. And anyway, uh, was finally able to, to get back to the University of Florida. I missed a couple weeks worth of classes, but the professors and uh, dean and chair of the department, everybody was great and, and made it work. I had the Oxycontin that I was on for pain that I had a little trouble coming off of and uh, didn't have insurance at the time. And so, um, instead of spending $800 a day at the spa, I had to spend $3.50 a day at the county uh, detox facility in Gainesville, which it was not fun. I did learn how to kill somebody with a chicken bone and a guitar string, so the lowest point I was from this whole ordeal was in detox, um, in between NA and AA meetings. I remember looking at the Gainesville Sun, which I would have been working for at the time if I was not in detox, uh, then uh, Cher came to town, and her photo was all over the paper. Not that I could give a, a care about Cher, but you know, it's like, wow, you know that I should be taking that photo, and that you know, it's a big deal. She's like, you know, a hundred and still singing, and that was probably like my lowest point. Um, that and some guy bullying me to hide his cigarettes in my pillowcase. What makes the story a little crazy? Bob survived the accident. A lot of things didn't, a lot of things broke in, in my body and in the car, um, but Bob was fine. So we boxed him up, we uh, did the best job we could, put him in a comforter and um, you know, spent probably $200 to ship him back to uh, Tallahassee. Um, unfortunately, Bob did not survive that trip.
his head was in several pieces up here, so... Within a month of leaving Anchorage, all four of us that had rescued Bob for the mountains were in rollover vehicle accidents. So this first incident happens, and it's it's kind of weird. I mean, like it's terrible, and but you you guys sure at this point you're not thinking this isn't caused by us taking Bob down the mountain. Um, no, I, you know we might have like joked about it, but no, I mean we certainly didn't think that that's you know some kind of hex or anything. Rob and um, Ben were together in Tallahassee. Ben and I were both in a car together with a couple other people it it crashed or whatever it it we uh the guy driving it wasn't ben or i driving but the guy driving rolled it into like a into something and we we took a little you know took a pretty decent crash there rolled upside down luckily we're both fine but it's the first time i ever been in an accident like that it was kind of scary at that point yeah we definitely were it it, it was out and about you know we were talking about it as being, not, not, you know, I don't know, like, I don't, maybe not so much a possibility, but just kind of, you know, a hell of a coincidence kind of thing. And then JP was in a more serious uh, rollover accident in Texas. He ended up rolling his, a truck he was driving out there, and I mean, luckily, he was he was okay, too. Did you guys actually get together and, and have a serious talk about this? We are aware of, you know, the coincidence of everything, but I don't remember having, like, a serious talk about you know what about what we need to do to fix this hex or anything like that i know we had like joked when we'd see each other about like oh somebody needs to take this thing back to where it came from and uh you know none i don't know darren i think was our best bet because he i think was already planning on going back up there because darren had the most significant injuries do you think he was a little bit more serious about getting it back up there i, I definitely think that because uh well, i don't know how you want to look at it but i mean the thing was in his car, you know, he's the one that left with it and that kind of stuff. So, I mean, I think if you, you know, with all that weighing on his mind there and his and his accident being so much worse. Um, I needed someone or something to blame and, uh, I, you know, Bob was it. I don't feel like my road to recovery started until I wrote a letter to my friend Evan in Alaska who I worked with. Um, and it was a detailed letter on the story of Bob and where he fa- we found him and a map to how to get back to where he found him so I could mail it to him and he could take him back. And uh, writing that letter and sending it, just putting it in the mailbox, I-, I started to feel some relief. And, of course, being the friend he is, Evan af- agreed that he would take Bob back and and free us of you know his spell. Um, but... Bob got there too late. The road was uh, snowed in and closed for the season. There was no way to, to get to the spot. So he had to wait till the spring. I went back there for a second summer for another internship, which uh, was an experience in itself. It was kind of like a you know part of the healing process. But I was able to get Bob from Evan and take him back up to the spot myself, which you know I knew exactly where it was. 
it was a bit of a climb, but you know, I had no problem with it. You know, I was going to get there and, you know, I was going to be done with it and way been found him. He was, you know, set up on a rock kind of looking over the, the valley, the Hatcher Pass. And so I did the best I could, you know, finding him a, a suitable location, you know, with a good view and then kind of sprinkled his, his pieces and, and then emptied the Ziploc bag and it just kind of all blew. And I don't know if I said anything. I think I probably just got out of there. And we can laugh about it now. It, you know, there there are times when I think of it, and especially the accident, and um, uh, start you know my voice is shaky and my body's shaky, and I have to kind of you know fight through the story. But um, as I tell it, it gets easier. I teach advanced photojournalism at UF. One of our classes, we deal with spot news, which is breaking news, you know, deaths, fires, uh, car wrecks, hurricanes. You know, it's just the stuff you can't plan for. And um, But there's a photo that came up that's the first photo I took of a car accident following my own accident. And it's uh, the, a young boy standing maybe four by his wreck, the wrecked car he was in. And the boy's standing there and just has his little hands crossed in front of him and has um, just a little bit of blood coming down his head. And I remember I used to photograph it and see it as, you know, they're having a really bad day. This is, you know, this is bad for him. It's not a bad day. They'll remember it. He'll remember that wreck for the rest of his life. I guess if anything, you know, good has come out of that, it's possibly me being more empathetic when I take photos um, and understanding that that this is going to affect um, them a lot a lot longer than it's going to affect me but I do tell the students uh, when I told them this past uh, week I, I, it was one of the times where I did kind of I got shaky and it just it happens for no reason and um, so I just fought through it and told the story and, and moved on. It, you know, it took years to, to, to find, to figure out the good. Cause you know, when I'm in the hospital, everybody's telling me that, you know, you're, you're so lucky to be alive, you know, and I did not feel lucky. So, um, I do now though. So anyway, my rule is uh, when I find things, because I do uh, look and collect uh, different things. <laughs> Nothing with a face, though. Even a piece of driftwood, if it you know has a face or a shell that kind of resembles, you know, has a, a face or something that goes right back into the ocean. Uh, that's the rule. What about like a piece of toast? If your toast ends up having a face, you just throw it in the garbage. <laughs> like get out of here. <laughs> no, uh, it, it is not. Yeah. Not eating you for breakfast. <laughs> it is in the garbage. The toaster might be right behind it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there, yeah, no faces. We've talked about it, and we do all um, openly blame Bob. All of us do. I don't know if you know everybody. You know, believes inside of him that he is the cause of our misfortune, but um, I do. Um, that's why he's back where he belongs, and. Uh, if Ben ever wants to go pick something up off of a mountain while he's with me, um, I will lock the car doors. 
somewhere, <laughs> you will not be getting out. I wouldn't. I'm not taking any head sculptures off of anything ever again. Probably. I mean, if there's a lesson to be learned, I would say, you know, if you find a sculpture of a head somewhere, just leave it where it is. So after we talked to Darren and Rob, we started researching Hatcher Pass and pretty quickly stumbled across the fact that Mr. Hatcher was named Robert Hatcher and according to Warren went by Bob yeah Bob so that's a possibility that's a little bit creepy like you think it was his tomb (laughs) I hope not I I mean I saw it said that he was buried in an unmarked grave really yeah oh my god I don't think I'm making that up (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much to Darren and Rob, AJ and Ben for letting us share your story. We would like to thank Patrick Flynn for writing and recording the music for this episode with the exception of one song that Warren wrote and recorded. We would also like to thank Janelle Langford for curating our website. A big thank you to Sebastian Scandiuzzi for helping us make a trailer for this episode. You can find that on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash personal effects podcast. Our website is www.personaleffectspodcast.com. We're also looking for ideas for stories right now. You can write us at personaleffectspodcast at gmail.com. Thanks to all the people who've taken the time to rate and review us on iTunes. We know it's kind of not the funnest thing, but if you haven't and you could, We would be so grateful. Ever so. (laughs) Till next time. Sayonara, suckers. Ooh.